woman are in fear, not being allowed to do what they want to do with their own bodies. People aren't being allowed to vote. The Taliban is in power, but I'm not talking about the Taliban. I'm talking about the other T. Good old Texas, where I reside. We're going to talk about the abortion ban. We're going to talk about the voting rights ban. We're going to get into, not Moderna, Moderna. <laughs> We're absolutely going to talk about the strong week that gold and silver had. And of course, you know we're going to get into uranium. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge, this is episode 133 of Bizarro World. Mr. Hodge, how in the hell are you? Tejas, Gerardo, if you, if you didn't know. Freedom, but not for women and not for people uh, uh, that are poor. Texas seems to get a lot of play on this podcast. This is going to be a good one. I can feel it. I'm doing fantastic and I uh, hope everyone else is too well rested uh, after the Labor Day holiday and ready to get into it uh, here in the fall. Somebody referred to Governor Abbott earlier this week as hell on wheels. <laughs> you guys got all sorts of stuff going on down there. Listen, before we get into all of that, because I, 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 I think that's going to end up being a bit of a conversation, a bit of a lengthy conversation, we have to get into... Um, the performance that uranium and the, the 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 spot price for physical uranium and Sprott's influence in it. And man, the juniors had themselves a week. Right. And we've been you know, we, we've been preaching and, 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 you know, asking people to get positioned. You wrote pieces. I've written pieces like we, we've both been on this for quite some time. And we've always said that when the uranium market turns to the upside, it's violent. Right. It doesn't happen. Um, in baby steps, it tends to, you know, <laughs> jump over three steps at a time until it gets to the top. It's still early, but Lord, what a performance this week by some of these names, right? I look at Fission started the oh, week. Oh, Jesus, it's a fire. Oh, Jesus, it's a fire. Started at 60 cents, closed near 80 at 78 cents. I could go down the list. Azarga, with which, you know, we've been telling everybody about the value there in Azarga, right? Ticker symbol, my favorite ticker symbol. A Z Z. I am an A Z Z man. One week performance from below 40 cents to 54 cents. That's a hell of a run. Spot price flirting with 38 and Sprott in there buying it all up. Um, I'd love to hear your take, Nick. Obviously, I'm excited finally about the price action. And you know what? It's post Labor Day here next week. Summer doldrums are behind us. Fall is here. That's typically when the price action really starts picking up, but the uranium sector isn't waiting. The as is bouncing, as it were. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we like you say, you've recapped it. Uh, I've recapped it. We've been in the space for uh, a long time. Uh, I mean, let's, let's recap it. Uh, we, what else do we got to do here uh, for the next hour or so? Uh you know, the last run of uranium was back in 2006, 2007. The market's incredibly thin, incredibly uh, opaque. And so uh, back then, just one mine flooded and uh, set the spot price of uranium uh, to a record. And back then went uh, up to 100 or around $140 a pound. And you saw 
the wave of equities go up uh, significantly. And when I say significantly, some of the stocks went up like over 100,000% in the time period from 2003, 2004 to 2007, 2008, 9, 10, including uh, whatever, International Anexco, uh, Cameco, uh, Denison, uh, Paladin, right? And so, um, and then uh, energy fuels, for example, um, which was uh, then buying companies like Euroners and listing them on major stock exchanges, like all that happened in the last uranium boom. Sorry, Gerardo, you, you kicked me off on a thing. Um, this is important. I, you know, I and, think there's so much then, money to be ahead. made that the primer is important. And then Fukushima happened. Uh, everybody said nukes were bad. Uh, we said, no, they're not, but that didn't really matter. Japan shut them down. Germany shut them down. Mm. Um, it was a psychological scar on the industry for a decade, basically. The equities lost 80 to 90% of their value. The uh, I think it's called the Global X Uranium ETF. I think that's what the sector fund is called. Uh, the ticker is URA. That was down like 90% from 2011 to 2017, 18, let's call it. Um, and all the while people are saying, you know, the, the price has to go up, the price of uranium has to go up. But nonetheless, it went to record lows somewhere down around $20 below, if not a couple of bucks below that at its ultimate lowest. And so uh, the important points are that um, you can't mine uranium at that price. You need at least 50 bucks for most projects across the world. Um, we knew that uranium was going to be embraced as a clean energy technology that took a lot longer than expected. Mm -hmm. But uh, Governments across the world are having their come to Jesus moment and realizing that they can't meet these climate goals without a nuclear. And so it's getting uh, backing now, both in the form of uh, research. You saw big like fusion announcements in the past week, even that small modular reactor announcements, the extending of uh, plant lives and then uh, nuclear plant lives. And then uh, what you were talking about, of course, is you need a spark. So everyone's also was saying the utilities are going to come back in because they have to, but they uh, haven't for whatever reason. The contracts haven't expired yet. Uh, they can refine enough in the secondary market. You can source it now from sands, sort of like you can source wearers from sands and then refine them that way. And so anyway, here comes Sprout and, and you know much more about that and have been writing about it more than I have. So uh, it seems like the catalyst. I don't know if this is it or not, but I do know that um, if it's a fake, if it's a false wave, it's the biggest false wave we've seen yet. If it's a head fake, it's a heck of a one, right? I mean, you know, the bottom line is the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust is designed to provide a transparent and liquid way of having direct exposure to the physical commodity without having to take a delivery of it because as one would guess, taking physical delivery of uranium could probably be tricky for most people. Um, Sprott doesn't have that problem. And so, you know, they're, they're in the market buying aggressively. They've pushed the price almost single-handedly um, near or just above the $38 a pound level after being stuck at 30, 31, and 32 for, for what seemed like infinity, right? The, the trust now has a total net asset value just shy of 860 million. As I mentioned, 22 million pounds, just shy of 22 million pounds of physical uranium. And look, this is just the start. Um, I actually recommended the trust earlier this week and it, it, it took off immediately. I actually don't think it made it... Um, to the, 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 the buy up to price. I think it soared right past that. So that'll have to be adjusted unless there's a slight pullback. And, and, and a note, when you get 30, 40, 50% moves in a week, 
there's always going to be a slight pullback. We talked about the consolidation that lasted for a few months after that first initial run that we got earlier this year and how we thought that was a perfect opportunity to double check that list, add to positions that you didn't feel you had enough exposure to, and maybe add some new positions like the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, which again, I think is a phenomenal way to participate in a uranium bull market. All of that is proven correct. And again, heck of a week. Um, could there be a pause? It's human nature to take a little off the table if you're up, you know, 100%, 200% in less than a month. I mean, you know, Azarga, Azarga Uranium, um, we talked about the fact that we didn't think it would last. Um, it would make it out of this year, that it would last. It's a buyout target. I think I still think it gets bought out. That's going to have to happen at a higher price now. Um, you know, that became a position that was flat for me to a triple digit winner. You know, I'm up 100% on that thing now in a matter of a couple of weeks. And so, again, the moves in the space happen quickly. They're violent. Um, I can't over explain or overemphasize just how brutal the bear market in the uranium space was post Fukushima. Um, it took a lot of money from the sector. There was zero speculative capital. It's a testament to the better companies in the space that were able to bring in accretive assets and position themselves for the turn. And it's not a coincidence that those are the companies that are getting the big bids, the institutional bids, because of course the better companies are going to be tied in to those funds and those institutions and even the smaller, you know, family offices that, you know, are dabbling with five or $10 million, but are looking for some exposure in the space. So, and look, an exciting time to be a uranium bull. I joked that I'll be at the Beaver Creek Precious Metal Summit all next week and that I was looking forward to all the uranium bulls congratulating themselves because it's not going to be a, a celebratory week. <laughs> if you've been sitting on, you know, Midas Gold slash Perpetual Resources, you know, with its world-class asset and it's trading below what it was trading at in, God, what, 2010 or something like that on a share price level. Um but that brings me to gold. Look, I, I, I wrote a piece in April about uranium. I wrote another one, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I talked to Brian London um, on, on his excellent podcast a couple of weeks ago about how excited I was about uranium. But I just also wrote about how I think gold is next. And we have to get into the price performance this week, Nick. Um, you're the, one second on, yeah. on gold Wait, before let's do the price action on uranium, which we didn't mention. So uh, two, the only two things I want to wrap up on there is yes, the pullback was, uh, we talked about it and was played very well. I mean, I made a recommendation during that pullback mm -hmm. that's already up 50%. And mm -hmm. so that's only been a month and a half or two months or something. And so, uh, yes, a hundred percent and two <laughs> the spot price is still only like 36 bucks, but it's been, um, uh, you know, air quotes, absolutely ripping. If, you know, if there is such a thing for commodity prices, you know, absolutely ripping a move from 30, $31 to 36 for uranium. If you've been watching uranium for the past few years, it just simply hasn't moved like that. And so uh, just two things I wanted to add there. No, important points. And look, while everybody's celebrating um, movement in the sector, significant movement, uh, momentum, right? Everything, all of a sudden it's clear for the people that have been watching this space for quite a bit. I think gold's time is coming. I I, I think that, you know, let's let's get right into the jobs report, um, which was a slight miss this morning, Nick. <laughs> I, 
Um, what was uh, what what was the over under on it? And I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but if I remember correctly, I think the estimate was seven fifty. And, and yeah. what did it come in at? At like two twenty five. Two twenty five or two fifty. Yeah, let me let, let me get you the exact numbers just so we don't fib them. Analyst, the smartest among us, expected seven hundred and twenty thousand new jobs to have been there added. They added. We added. Go USA. 235,000. A slight miss, right? And obviously, obviously, the gold price reacted the way that it did, you know, popping, uh, you know, almost a percent. Silver popped over 3%. Uh, platinum followed. Palladium followed. Everything pretty much followed, right? Um, and and, and the, for the simple reason that this now gives Powell another reason to kind of not want to taper too quickly, which again... I had already called bullshit on that a little bit ago. I don't think if, if there is a taper, it's not going to be very significant. And a taper isn't a rate hike. And what the what, what the market is really aware, uh, afraid of, I, I think, isn't a taper. Um, I think it's a rate hike because I think that, you know, the, the, the bond market can defend itself pretty nimbly um, and throw a tantrum that makes Powell make an about face. Uh, with the rate rise, they're going to have to eat that for at least a quarter or so and I think this gives Powell covered and not have to raise rates for at least a couple of years, which he's already indicated was the path. But it also gives him cover to to kind of say, look, this Delta variant is really uh it's really wreaking havoc on 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 employment. And we want to make sure that we don't taper too quickly. It's an absolute farce. It's absolute bullshit that while home prices continue to rise, right? Home prices now, Nick, are up year on year. Here in Austin, I think it's it's pushing nearly fifty percent. Wow, I think the average is eighteen percent, something like that. Yeah, wow. Right, and and meanwhile, meanwhile, you know, the Fed wants to tell me J and J, right? Uh, Jerome and Janet want to tell me that they are hell bent on making sure they address wealth inequality and they have some creative solutions for it. And it's it's interesting to me when you don't see that you're the problem, right? Uh, I don't even know what I want to say there. It's, you know, you know. I wrote a, a, the my paid letter this week was titled "You know, Catching Up from Being Ahead." I think you know what else was going to happen. I mean, what was you know growth was going to continue accelerating a pace off the bottom? No, I think we told you that that was starting to slow. We've been writing about this uh, rotation coming, perhaps the potential for slowing growth while uh, things were continuing to inflate, and how that was. Uh, a good environment for gold. And so and that's exactly what's playing out. Uh, we said last week, or I said last week, I don't even think you needed to hear Powell speak to to know or learn that. And um, it's obviously, you know, partially bullshit. Some of the things he says or how he frames them about, you know, whatever, like you said, Delta weighing on uh, the job recovery or whatever, you know, we'll see what, now that these... Um, uh, pandemic benefits and the, and the rent stuff is starting to end here if uh, people get back to work. But, you know, I think the writing was on the wall for the slowing growth, right? The, the V has clearly leveled off. And, and we've been saying that that was going to be uh, a good environment for gold for uh, fundamental reasons that you just ran down and also for technical reasons that we uh, highlighted, I think, last week on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, it's looking it's looking pretty darn good. And then uh, I guess one one more thing to add there is um, like the majors continue to to deliver really good results. I mean, 
Barrick was back out today mm-hmm. with a, a whatever they're calling that thing, a share repurchase or capital return. You know, dividends are are being raised and um, the stocks are starting to bounce as well. Like I was I mentioned Kinross a couple of times, but even like uh, New, Newmont convinced me to buy it this week. And so, you know, that's going to hopefully have the trickle down effect. You know, no one knows when that's uh, going to happen, but it, it twofold, right? Uh a trickle down effect in the equities, you know, the big ones moving those small ones, but also a trickle down effect in it's similar to uranium, right? We know they got to re- replenish these reserves, but when the fuck is it going to happen, right? Right. And, and look, in the gold space, and I think this is an important point, not because I'm making it, but because it's factual. Um, as you just mentioned, the majors and the mid tiers are cashed up. And look, if I'm looking to discover 3 million ounces in Idaho, I might just go and buy me a Revival Gold at a very healthy premium. I may just go and buy me a a, a Perpetua, right? Or what was a Midas Gold and go get myself almost 7 million ounces with the probability for 14 and maybe even 20, as Nick and I believe we've been to the property um, with with these depressed prices because it's a whole lot easier even to pay 100% premium right now than it is to go discover these things. Um... Because exploration is expensive and it takes a while. And and look, I don't think that we're going to have an opportunity in the gold space with the juniors um, like we have right now. And I was saying the exact same thing with uranium, still early days. But look, some of the moves have been really, really, really substantial. And for those of you that are out there and listen to this podcast, you know, a month ago or two months ago or back in April when Nick and I were saying, Uranium's getting interesting. The fundamentals are clear. Let's see what that catalyst is. And then we saw Sprott come in and we knew what would happen there. Sustained buying in the spot in, in, in the spot market, driving the spot price up. Well, I, I, I think we're going to see a wave of M&A coming through with the majors buying out mid-tiers and, and, and even coming down to the exploration companies that have those robust assets. And the timing couldn't be better a post Labor Day as we get into conference season and a pretty, you know, seasonally strong um, time of the year for the gold price, right? I mean, they're going to have to pay. You know, you have Mark Bristow saying we're not going to do these dumb deals. We're not going to do these dumb deals. But he hasn't been able to get a, a, a deal done, right? He was floating the, I think, was it like a Freeport thing or something earlier this year or last year? That's like too big of a mega merger. I mean, they're going to have to come for these quality mid-tier and junior assets. It's, uh, it's sim- again, similar to uranium. Absolutely. Nothing happens until it does. And then again, everybody's smart again this week, right? (laughs) After uh, missing it for five or six years, a lot of people missed it for that long, but everybody's smart again. So let's see if we get smart about gold here soon. I think it's a hell of an opportunity. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll leave that there. Anything you're watching in the market specifically this week, Nick? (laughs) Uh, Let me think about it for one second. Um... I think I think it continues to be tax loss a season earlier. Yeah. Earlier, I've told you that already. I'm cleaning up. Uh, I'm trimming um, stuff that has been really high flyers. Just light, light trimming. Um, I continue to watch cannabis. I give you that answer every time, and that market has continued to just be shit. Um, deals continue to get done. There was another half a billion dollar acquisition announced this week in both companies. The buyer and the buyee went down on the news. One was Bruce Litton's company, who was the founder of. Uh, canopy growth. And so um, the stocks, like all the stocks just look the same. They continue in a consolidation pattern and um, the fundamentals, as far as the cash, the recreational cash that's here in the U S it continues to be robust and 
there's only a couple of names to pick from. And so I think I've been pecking away there. I was writing about that this week. And I think sitting on the couple of quality multi-state operators in the U.S. that also have to get acquired is a, is a good way to make some money if you um, can sit on it for a bit. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, this is the part of the podcast where I managed to piss off the left and the right almost equally, probably. Are you ready, Mr. Hodge? Uh, I'm always ready for it. You know, uh, I find myself on either side. And so I even my friends, I piss off all the time because half the time I just take the other side to annoy them. So, yeah. So this week, um, Texas, not the Taliban, the other T, Texas signed. Well, it went into effect. It's been signed. But the, the new what's being called the cardiac activity abortion ban went into effect Wednesday after the U.S. Supreme Court decided not to weigh in to prevent what is essentially 99.99% of abortions in the state. And why does it prevent 99.9% of abortions in the state? Because the law says, reads, that once cardiac activity is detected in an embryo, which happens as early as six weeks, um, it is illegal from that point on to get an abortion in the state of Texas. Let me get to the pissing off of people. I am not someone that actually thinks having an abortion outside of cases of rape or incest or abuse is, is something that I am personally, as an individual, comfortable with. Um, it's not something that I, in my personal moral compass, um, would do. My preference, right? Um, have a baby, didn't mean to have a baby. I'm having a baby. I'm going to have to figure it out. That is me. Let me piss the other side off. I simultaneously am dead set against a group of mostly white males getting together over some fucking scotch and deciding that they are going to tell women in the state of Texas what they can or cannot do with their body. We talk about America and, and you know what the Republican party talks about how it's the party of rights and free speech and freedom and don't threat on me and all this other stuff that's said. And it's just cool memes and slogans, everybody. Government is going to government. And in this case, Republicans are Republicaning. And be absolutely clear who this affects. Let me piss some more people off. I am not wealthy, but I am all right. I don't have generational wealth yet. You know, I don't have a couple of hundred mil that I could pass down. But but there's an M or two in there, right? There's a million or two there that, that, that can get me by the next couple of years. So let's say that I was the kind of guy that got a girl pregnant and the girl, the woman wanted to have an abortion. And I was with that. It's nothing for me to get a ticket flyer out to another state, go have a nice little stay for a week somewhere. Maybe I'll even get her some tits while we're out there, go have the abortion and fly right back. And what I'm saying by telling you this people is if you have money, this law doesn't affect you. It doesn't say Texas residents can't have an abortion. It just says you can't have it here in the good old state of Texas. So what this does is it criminalizes abortions and may only for the most vulnerable and less well-off amongst us. This will not affect the people that are passing the law on either side. 
the Democrats or the Republican side. They will continue to abortion away. They'll just do it in other states. And so they somehow, Nick, and excuse the rant because it's nowhere near over. They somehow were able to take like three of the things that I hate the most, right? I, I hate sex offenders. I hate fucking child rapists, people that incest. And so they managed to make sure that there wasn't an exception for a woman that's been raped or cases of incest. Um, you got raped. You didn't know. You found out on week six, day one, where there is some cardiac activity. You don't have the money to go nowhere. You're having that baby. That's what you're doing. You're sitting the fuck down and you're having that baby. That That's, that's crazy, man. That's insane to me, right? And if that wasn't enough, Nick, they made it to where this isn't going to be criminally prosecutable. You'll love this part. They made it to where they have a hotline set up for citizens to snitch on each other. And then if it's proven that anybody got an abortion or aided and abetted an abortion, you as a private citizen resident in the state of Texas, the good old state of Texas, can actually sue anybody that aided or abetted in the furthering of an abortion, including the person that had it or discussed it for a minimum of $10,000. I didn't think a law like this was possible in 2021. I got fucking anti-maskers and maskers alike at schools threatening to zip tie principals over wearing a mask, right? And this passes, and it's like, you know, um, Halsey put a cool tweet up, and a couple of, you know, celebrities use their platform and say, oh, you know, th this is unacceptable. Um, and, and that's really all about it. You know, I drove downtown with my wife this week. We had a nice dinner. I looked around. I thought the Capitol building was going to be stormed. Um, I thought, you know, nah, not much of a peep. Dinner was pleasant. Everybody was cool. It was a nice place. So, again, I don't think those people are feeling the pressure. But man, did they manage to fucking wrap up a whole lot of the stuff that I like. I hate informants. I hate snitches. I'm all about accountability, which again is why I am not pro-abortion in a personal sense, but I sure in the hell am pro a woman doing whatever she wants to do with her body and so, you know, dealing with the consequences of it. I will stop there because I could yell for another half hour about this. Uh, everything's bigger in Texas, including moral hypocrisy. And so um, here are my thoughts. Uh, I'm sort of with you. Uh, it's not my decision to make as a you know libertarian-leaning person. I want gay married couples to protect their pot plants with guns. Is that the saying? And uh, that applies <laughs> to... Uh, you made me laugh. Abortion. Thank you. <laughs> that applies to abortion as well. I'd also say that uh, politicians are getting quite good at dividing people and hitting their hot buttons. Oh, and, the uh, that that certainly applies here. Um, I would have to think that the first case goes to the Supreme Court, um, which hasn't intervened yet, which is, I guess, something I could add to this conversation because, uh, and I don't know a lot about this, but you know, people were expecting, some people were expecting the Supreme Court to intervene before this law went into effect, but they did not. 
saying that because it was citizen enforced and not state enforced that they weren't intervening. But, you know, once you have a lawsuit, then it's, you know, the lawsuits in the state. Right. And who's doing the investigating and it's proceeding in a, in a state court. And so I would have to assume that goes to the uh, Supreme Court. And uh, you said you couldn't imagine something like this <laughs> happening in 2021, except. I mean, Gerardo, it's been crazy with the lockdowns and the masks. I mean, what wouldn't you expect? I don't know. Uh, I should know better. Entirely, but what they're doing in Australia with the lockdowns, right? Uh, uh, and I know we've mentioned this a couple of times, but they're still on lockdown. Can't travel more than like something five kilometers from your home. But that's not even what I was going to mention. I saw something this week about uh, a new law or at least an enforcement of the lockdowns where they're... In, in some portion of Australia, going to make you download an app and take a picture of yourself at your house and like geolocate it so they know that you're not like deviating from the lockdown mandate. Like it's Orwellian shit. And I guess what's really scary is that um, citizens are willing to enforce it on each other. Like that's the scary part for me, right? Yes. Um, there's a reason I live out in the country with no neighbors, right? You know, like they're turning they're turning people on each other, and so. Um, in Texas, like you say, the citizens have to enforce it. And I have to assume that the, you know, the thing behind this law is a moral reason, right? I mean, typically that's the reason for uh, pro-life arguments uh, from conservative people. It's a religious thing or a, a moral thing, right? And so um, separation of church and state. Anybody ever hear right. about that? So they're, but they're preying on that, I guess is what I'm mm. saying. And so, and so it's, it's hypocritical because the people who adhere most ardently to that, uh, and the ones who are going to like actually, uh, take it upon themselves to enforce this are opposite from like the, the Falwells of the world who are jerking off in the corner to their wife getting banged out. Right. <laughs> like their, their, their moral priorities are like, they're being duped. So, um, and if she gets pregnant, they have enough money to just fly her out somewhere and maybe get her some new tits on the way there too. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And so, yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. And so <laughs> the moral, the moral compass, you know, thing has been, uh, abducted. Right. And so, uh, yeah, anyway, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. On a happy note for citizens and freedom at the same time that we're telling women what they can and can't do with their body. If there's a baby in there, um, we Texans now have the right to carry a pistol in public. No license, no licensing, yeah. no training, baby. You don't even got to know what a safety is. All good. You can carry it in public. And, you know, you, you, <laughs> I remember living in New York in the 90s during the stop and frisk era where Giuliani basically enabled his police goons to stop and frisk anybody that they didn't like, people of color. You know, if it was someone of color that didn't like white people, white people, if you don't like skaters, skaters, punk rock chicks, whoever it was, the cops basically had a green light to go and uh, go mess with people. And, you know, stop and frisk. We got to get New York under control. Right. And so this is the complete opposite of that. With this, um, you, 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 you don't even have to go figure out how to use a gun. You can just go into the pawn shop, pass the background check or go to a friend and not worry about a background check. Get a gun. And go ride around and pop some shit off. So this is happening simultaneously with this abortion rights ban. Food for thought. Yeah, I just leave the that free, there. The freedoms, yeah, it's obviously misaligned. You know, I'm, I'm weirdly for both things. I think you should be able to walk around with a gun and, and kill a fetus in your own body. I mean, you know, it's 
uh, anyway, that's how I come down on those things. And so uh, the open carry thing, we'll see how it plays out. But really, that's just a full embracement of the, of the Second Amendment. Uh, truly, if you walk around and I've asked uh, my brother-in-law police officer this, uh, if they get calls for somebody walking around and this is in Delaware, like with a, a sidearm out or something, it's typically like under open carry. The same reason you've seen these videos with people with rifles like outside the airport and stuff, right? Absolutely. You know who can um, kill somebody and like after, oh, after, after, after they're grown, Nick? Do you? I knew you would. <laughs> you want to tell them? We you want to tell them? Hey, guys, look. If you have a baby in you, woman, and you don't find out by weeks by by, by week six, um, too late. You cannot possibly, possibly, possibly take the life of the precious fetus, right? Under no conditions, right? For incest be damned. The only exception is a medical emergency. Um, that is it. But in South Dakota, baby, if you're the attorney general, you could kill a pedestrian. You could have his glasses through your windshield. You could drive off. And don't worry. As long as you know the right people in America, you'll get off with a $500 fine for each misdemeanor, he will have to pay a thousand dollars and just a little probation, just a little probation. This, despite the victim, the person that died, that was killed, the victim's family saying, what in the hell are you talking about? He not only hit my relative, he left my relative behind, didn't report it. Left them in a ditch for 12 hours. Again, I am all about accountability, everybody. Accidents happen. Accidents happen. The behavior of the Attorney General, Jason Ravensborg. Round. Pronounced Roundsborg. Yep. Roundsborg. You knew I was going to butcher the pronunciation. You know, that behavior doesn't lend itself to someone that accidentally hits someone. I was in a car accident here just like a month ago. Same damn day I caught COVID. I told you all my story. And the first thing I did was make sure that the young lady that hit us um, was okay. Sat her down, got her some water. Not because I'm like some sort of super nice guy or cool citizen guy. Just because it was the right thing to do. Again, I repeat, she hit me. So if I somehow manage to accidentally run into somebody and their glasses are poking through my windshield... I don't think, let me drive home and shut up till the next morning and figure out what my attorney wants me to do. Absolutely insane to me. But again, this is America in 2021. I don't know, Nick. Um, I hate being an alarmist, but you are dead right. And I'm not using that word lightly. You are dead right in that government is finding more and more ways. It has to be intentional to pit the citizens against each other. And that's why I'm pleading with people out there, especially if you live in this country, don't fall for it. We have a whole lot more in common than we do differences. There's a whole lot more than we can agree on. We all want better lives for our families. We want upward mobility. We want to be responsible citizens. We want to contribute to our community. We want to be left the fuck alone by government. I think most of us can agree on all those things. Um, you know, you get into race and you get into education levels and income levels and all that. Really easy to separate people. You get into you know, all the other things that they, that the media throws at you to, and they're just monetizing your thoughts. 
don't fall for it. Don't fall for it because it's not going to end well if we continue down this path. We talked about Mr. Roundsborg on this podcast at least twice. Uh, mm-hmm. I was calling, I was throwing the red flags up on this like the week the accident happened. I was like, no way. And you could see the writing on the wall where it was going to go because of uh, where it was. And so I won't do a lot of recapping, but it ended up turning very nasty. Like, um, uh, Jason Roundsburg uh, defense team ended up getting some of the deceased guy's family to, to, to say on record that he told them he was suicidal years ago. Um, and so they posited that he might have gone. Uh, it's a whole long story, Jordan. I guess I'm just going to tell it. Tell it. Um, do, you, do you mind? No, I want to. I, I no. know it. It's important because I. It's going to be a good. Seg, it's going to. It's a good segue into my NRA rant I'm about to get into. I told you I was going to get everybody mad today. So the state's attorney general in South Dakota, Jason Roundsborg, as we said, this is last year, um, he was driving uh, a fairly long drive, you know, hour, two hours. Things are far apart in the in the Midwest and, and flat. Right. So he was um, lifelong uh, Republican, um, had, you know, tried to run for several offices and failed. But he was certainly everyone in the in the Republican Party in South Dakota uh, knew him and he was an up and comer and he went to all the events. Um, and he was traveling like from an event that night. Um, it, I read the whole long article, so sorry. I'm going to tell you all the details. He was like listening to a baseball game. They got because this is all in the public record now. They had his cell phone fi- files. You know, he was messing with his cell phone, and then uh, he put down his cell phone. And a minute later, he struck this individual. And his story is that he thought it was a deer. That's why he didn't look for it. Deer with glasses. Uh, or the person. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he, he didn't even just drive home. He got a ride from the, the local sheriff who took him back to uh, his house, the sheriff's house, lent him a car to complete his uh, journey. And so uh, the next morning they went back. And, and the reason the guy was out there, let me stop there for a second. Why was this guy on the road in South Dakota? Um, he had either had an accident, uh, there previously, uh, and, and was going back to look for something is what they think. They don't know why he returned to the scene. Uh, but he had previously had an accident in that location. Uh, went back home earlier in the day. And then for some reason went back out at night to the location. They don't know why, but he had a flashlight and they think he, maybe he was looking for something. Um, Jesus, and, is that you? Oh, sorry. I had a technical <laughs> glitch. Um, and so uh, they don't know why he was out there. But anyway, uh, so the guy puts down his phone and he ends up striking him and obviously killing him, going back to his house. And who knows what happened from there. But uh, what we know after that is that uh, he was driving uh, distracted at least 60 seconds before uh, he struck this person. The person's face came through the windshield of his car because the person's glasses ended up on his front seat. Um and so all this taken together, you would have to assume that um, and, and, and your uh, account, Gerardo, of, of when you're in an accident, stopping and actually looking the fuck around to see what happened. Right. Uh, he should have known that he hit a, a, a human being and also being the responsible state's attorney that he is. Right. Um, should have known that he hit a person and not a deer. And so the whole point 
as I knew was going to happen when I started talking about this a year ago and followed up on it a couple of weeks ago as he was coming to the end of the trial, is that it's the good old boy system. I mean, it's the perfect example of it. I mean, I grew up with it in Maryland. It exists all over these great United States, right? Uh, you call your boy you went to college or high school with, right? And he's got your back because he's got your back. It's what it is. And so, uh, and then all the way up through it, it ended up causing a bit of political divides. Like even the governor uh, said he should resign, but this guy didn't resign. He's going to stay in office and continue to wield uh, power in the in the party. And more importantly, I don't care about the party, but he's in office as a state's attorney who has influence on things like you were just talking about uh, when it comes to prosecutions and things. And so I don't want a gentleman like that uh, making uh, justice decisions for the populace. One more fun fact, and then I'll, 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 I'll let it, uh, I'll, I'll let it, I'll let it go after this. They conveniently didn't take a toxicology test of this guy until 15 hours later. So again, right? He's given a a ride. He's given another ride, a cruiser, uh, so he can make it home. Nobody notices, you know, the the, the guy had glasses in in the vehicle because it went through the vehicle because he hit him so hard. I'm no, come on. A thousand bucks in some community service and, and misdemeanors. All right. Ah. And it's not even news because nobody cares about South Dakota. And uh, again. 9.9 people out of 10 you talk to have no idea this even happened. Yeah. Uh, again. And, you know, and, and, and if you thought that was like, you know, it in America for the week of news that just makes you want to pull your hair out. Did you hear about um, <laughs> Remington Arms, the gun maker and the lawyers? I don't, no, I don't think I did. So anyone that's familiar with Sandy Hook knows it was a horrific shooting uh, back in 2012 where 20 children and six adults um, were killed uh, by a guy. I won't say his name, but, you know, it, it's, it was just a horrific, horrific, horrific um, tragedy. And so Remington filed for bankruptcy in 2018 um, and again last year. Um, you know, despite that, it's still manufacturing AR-15s and all that. No big deal there. I'm, you know, fan of assault rifles, fan of uh, handguns, fan of defending yourself. But I am not a fan of being sued, um, by the 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 vic- the, the victims' families. You know, the the children's parents, in essence. Um, and and these defense attorneys for the gunmaker responding by trying to subpoena the school records of these little, you know, first and second and third graders. That's what they did this week. They asked for the attendance records and the report cards of these kids. Like, what are you going to do? Like, are, 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 are you seriously this fucking tone deaf where you as a gun maker wants to put the kids on trial? The dead kids? Like, little Johnny wouldn't sit still, so he got lit up. Like, is that going to be the defense? <laughs> Yeah, I'm against all of it in principle. I I don't think you can charge the gun company for the crime. And certainly the kids have nothing to do with it. Literally have nothing to do with it. Um, Yeah, no, look, it's 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 been a week. If if, if you haven't noticed, there's just so much going on that just seems so outlandish to me. And yet, like, it, it doesn't even really register too much. I mean, we talked about the abortion rights ban. I didn't even get into the voting rights ban because these assholes are so skilled 
at just piling, you know, the, 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 this, you know, set of bills that's so restrictive to people's freedoms, individual liberties, the things that we, you know, get mad at Kaepernick for taking a knee for, right? Um, and and nobody nobody's really out there. So did you hear about the voting rights ban that, had, that, that, that went through simultaneously and into effect with the abortion ban? I think we talked about it when it was before yep. it went into effect, but go ahead. We did. So no more drive-through voting. Get the fuck out. You're disabled. You can't get out. You're older. You have arthritis, whatever. You can't drive through vote anymore. It doesn't matter if you have the right credentials. It doesn't matter if you're registered. You have your register registration card. It doesn't matter. You can't do drive through voting. Um, 24-hour voting, that's gone too, baby. <laughs> you, work, you work the night shift and, you know, or you work the day shift, can only go at night. Not happening. Um, you work odd hours? Well, too bad. Figure it out. By the way, we don't have voting holidays here in America, so it's not like you get the paid day off to go you know, be a good citizen and do what you're supposed to do, which is vote, right? Um, they're banning the distribution of mail-in ballot applications. So let's say you are somewhat disabled, or let's say you just have a tough time getting around, or, oh my God, you don't have transportation because you just can't afford it right now. Not only are your hours restricted now, not only can you not do the drive-through voting now anymore, but if somebody, if somebody happens to think that sending unsolicited applications, legal applications, right, um, to request a mail-in ballot, and that person happens to be a local election official, Nick. So let's say I am the local election official, and I think this ban isn't just or fair for the citizenry. And I want my citizens to be able to vote by mailing their application and getting their ballot in, right? That all seems logical enough, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Cool. So if I am a local election official that believes that and acts on it and sends applications to my zip code to make sure everybody can vote, it's a felony. It's a felony, Nick, to send an application to request a mail-in ballot to somebody. This is insane. If you're a third party, political parties can do it. But do you think political parties are sending the other party applications or mail-in ballots? It is absolutely bonkers. Um, I, I, I could go on. I mean, there, there, there's so much here. But again, this is one week in America, y'all. Well, in Texas specifically, I would, I, what I'm wondering as you're saying all this is uh, it's one of the fastest growing states, if not the fastest growing state. And so how does that play into it? And what about all these... Uh, woke companies who are there, you, you know, we've seen these uh, companies uh, weigh in on things like we were just talking about shootings, but also, you know, viruses and, and vaccines and other stuff. What are do companies uh, express their opinion about these new laws that are that are now in Texas? I mean, there's a lot of big companies in Texas now. I, I will say this. Uh, there were several um, Dell amongst them um, that were very vocal when these laws were passed. Mind you, I'm speaking about laws that are now in effect. I am curious to see how active they are in addressing uh, some of this and how accountable they hold, you know, whichever party they tend to affiliate with. I am not optimistic, although, you know, like you said, you know, the, the, these woke companies, which is just a generic term that we use for activist companies nowadays, right? Whatever, on whatever side they're on, Um I, I'm, I'm not optimistic because I think at the end of the day, the money and the lobbyists will win out. And look, if I'm trying to get 
let, let, let me connect dots here. If I'm Tesla, if I'm mm-hmm. Elon Musk, if I am applying to be a, a an electric provider for the state of Texas and the state of Texas has an electrical grid problem already, and I think I can help alleviate that, am I going to call out Republican leadership that's doing everything in its power to tell women what to do with their bodies and make it really hard for everybody but the well-off or the people that can get around um, to vote? Or should I just kind of say, like he did this week, you know, I am all for individual liberties. I prefer less government, but I just don't really want to speak about politics right now. Mm. Eh, eh, right, exactly. We know what he'll sure. do because that's what he did. That's what he said this week when he was asked about it. He tweeted this. And so that's why I'm not optimistic. And again, it's just for a state. That's sort of what I was into, right? Yeah. Like the tax breaks and the yeah. and the things are too good, right? Don't bite the hand that feeds is sort of what I was hinting at there. Well, it, also interesting that Mr. Musk sees profitability in the old, what are they called, Gerardo? Virtual power plants or something. I know a guy, Nick. <laughs> Tell him Gerardo sent you. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> oh, oh, oh. Growth is slowing, Nick. Who could have seen well, this we- coming? We sort of already talked about that, um, but I guess I'll piggyback on that uh, and knock out a couple of topics that I had put on there is, uh, you know, these companies are going uh, harder and harder and deeper and deeper to get uh, further uh, into your pockets and get you uh, hooked on the, the credit cycle. Um and I'll give you just a couple of examples, right? Like we talk about really bad things. Like we all know that like payday loans are really bad, right? Uh, and how predatory that is. But, um, you know, when there's no more super low, low class, they got to go up the food chain to get that fixed. They, I'm talking about essentially uh, banks and companies who seek fees as their uh, main profit center, right? Um and so just two quick call outs uh, I wanted to mention, because we all know about Robinhood and how they've uh, facilitated the retail investor. And we all know about the rise of the retail investor. We all know about that and how, you know, meme stocks and free trading, no commissions and everyone's on the, the hoodie. We've been talking about the hoodies for a year now. Right, Gerardo? Yeah. Um, but the thing about the hoodie is that like they're selling all your data to the people with real money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can front run your trades. And they're conditioning you in a gamification-like style to part ways with your money, uh, like you're in Las Vegas, by encouraging you to take uh, either more risky bets or to leverage up. Um, I hope you understand what I'm saying. They're mm-hmm. trying to get you to go go on leverage or to trade options, et cetera. And it doesn't end up well for some people so far. It remains to be uh, seen, but that's not enough crack for them now. They need more. Robinhood, I'm talking about. We saw how the... Uh, stock hasn't done too well after doing well after IPO pulling back. Um, and this is so this is just an example. I don't really have a, a, a point here other than to say they're milking the lower and middle classes. Um, they're going to start letting you get your paycheck a day early if you deposit it right into Robinhood. They're working <laughs> with like uh, the, the, the paycheck providers to do that with no fees. And so I thought that was very interesting. I just saw that this week. Um, and then uh, there's another company, another big trend right now for um, people who live hand to mouth is renting to own, right? We know you can Airbnb and you can rent stuff in the sharing economy, but renting to own is coming back. This is like fancy layaway, essentially, but now you do it with an app, of course. Mm, uh, and fancy, so, fancy. Right. But what's happening is uh, these people are using an app, specifically one called Klarna, K-L-A-R-N-A. 
um, to lease to own things and own credit, obviously. And the app is is uh, what is it engineered to do? To sell them and to, to get them to buy more things on credit, right? And so people who are using this app are up buying all this shit on credit now. And the I forget who it was uh, has filed a complaint and they're getting uh, investigated. And so uh, this is just sort of like the milking is is what I wanted to to highlight and how they're doing that for growth. It's not really increases in productivity or uh, true gains, but financial engineering and, and shifting around, and more importantly, the bleeding out of the the you know the biggest portion of this country, the middle and lower class, right? Y'all are getting it from every side, and I'm just telling everybody uh, find more common ground because there there there's you know people talk about the Great Reset and you know all these conspiracies and. You know, I I don't happen to believe that government, for the most part, um, is smart enough to pull most of the stuff off that they get credited for, right? This one, I actually believe, is very, very intentional. And I think, you know, we talk about fourth turnings a lot on this podcast. I, I, I think this is all pointing to, you know, the next bang in that cycle, the thing that really allows for a restructuring of a lot of our institutions, the way that lobbyists are allowed um, to go, you know, from public to private and, you know, in almost unabated fashion and the way that politicians are allowed to trade stocks despite being on committees that they are voting for or against and getting classified briefings months before the rest of the public and then being allowed to go ahead and buy stock that common sense would tell you may prove profitable and then failing to disclose that for nine months, you know, illegally. And then it just kind of goes away. It's just buried. So while all this is happening, the lower class and the middle class is being hollowed out and it's being hollowed out intentionally um, for control purposes. Like everything else we talked about, you know, I'm not a fan of talking about other countries where I'm not intimately familiar and I'm not Australia or New Zealand, but again, me being anti-mandate, um, and pro, you know, <laughs> responsibility and choice. Uh, I, I, I don't believe that you should be locking, you know, places down. Um, I, I believe people should have a choice. That's just my personal belief, but it's not just exclusive to America. I, I happen to live here and man, every week, it just seems like it's easier and easier for me to find the stuff that outrages me. I used to have to look for this stuff once upon a time, Nick. Now it just kind of just literally pops up. Like what? I think that's intentional as well. Part of, you know, it's like, you know, they serve you, serve it up to you. Absolutely. And, and what America is most mad about this week is Joe Rogan getting COVID and deciding to treat it for himself. However the fuck he felt like it. That was the passionate issue of the week. After the litany of things that I just went over. Vote, uh, voting rights ban, uh, telling women what to do with their body, uh, making it, you know, all the things that I just, kids getting sued, dead kids being sued for their report cards and attendance records so they can be, you know, tried in, in, in a trial. Um, after all of that, the thing that really had the Twitter sphere and like the news outlets and all that in a, in a, in, you know, in a frenzy was Joe Rogan caught COVID and it was okay three days later. And he took some non-traditional stuff and some vitamins because you know what? It's his damn right as a human being. If he wants to take human dewor- uh, horse dewormer and paste and uh, an IV drip and vitamins and it works for him, we should be asking him what dose he took. How much did you take? 
Had you taken it before? Did you have any side effects? No, instead of having an intelligent conversation, it becomes politicized where the left goes crazy for one reason, the right goes crazy for another. And somehow people on Twitter thinks this is really what's going to prove that the right is right about something and that the left is wrong about something and vice versa. Um, and it's just like a big show at this point. Um, but the show, the way it's going, does not have a happy ending, everyone. So, uh, yeah, you know, stay aware. I was going to say I've stay woke, listened. but I didn't want to make anyone upset. I've never <laughs> listened to a Joe Rogan podcast, but thank you, Joe, for making it possible for us to do this podcast. <laughs> I actually love Joe Rogan. I've been to three of his comedy shows live. They were great. Um, when I have the time to actually listen to his podcast, it's entertaining, you know, and it's informative. Um, do I have to agree or care what he thinks? No, no. A podcast is meant to entertain. It's meant to inform, hopefully, and, you know, help you kill some time. He does a phenomenal job of that and is compensated very, very well for it. Why anybody else thinks that what Joe Rogan does with his body or his COVID is consequential to how Gerardo treats his COVID or what he does to prevent COVID in the future is fucking batshit crazy. It's crazy. And to make that a political issue at a time where all these restrictions are being placed on the citizenry on both sides, mind you, on both sides is, is, is a little disheartening, man. Take note, Tejas. We want our ivermectin and our abortions. Freedom! Hell on Wheels had himself a good week. He passed some oppressive shit. Apparently, he gets a kick out of doing that. I still agree with Governor Abbott that we shouldn't have a mask mandate. Um, I think people should have a choice. But a lot of what happened this week in Texas was uh, was 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 not the thing for me. Um, Mr. Hodge, that's all I have right now. Do you have anything else before I get on another thirty-minute rant? Nope, let's pinch it off there and uh, we'll come back to it next week. There's some things we didn't get to, but it'll make for a good podcast down the road. So I know I'm content to cut it off. Agreed. We're coming up to an hour. Um, if you made it this far, congratulations. I'd send you a magic star or a unicorn if I could, but I can't. So I just I, I just want to say thank you. I, ha I did have a couple of CEOs this week who quietly, privately told me this is their Monday morning Um workout routine background and so you know to that i say thank you and cheers they also ask that i keep it confidential because they don't want their board of directors to get them in trouble <laughs> so i won't say their names and shout out to paul man who always reaches out and provides some good feedback and commentary through linkedin um you know it's been a hell of a week and i shouldn't be surprised and as paul would say no shit sherlock course they're trying to make it to where Texas has voting rights oppressed because they don't like the demographic, Nick. And you know that's what it is, right? They don't like the, the people that are coming here that could change uh, the way the state uh, governs. And so, yeah, that is what it is. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 133 of Bizarro World. Let's see what uranium does next week. It closed at 39 a pound today, Nick. Send us off. Oh, uranium is spiking. See ya.